Welcome to Connection Conversations. I'm Liz Askin, Conscious Discipline Lead Resource Teacher in Baltimore County Public Schools. I've been training and coaching teachers for over four years, and with respect to Conscious Discipline support, I've been getting similar questions, concerns, and wonderings from BCPS staff. A few friends and colleagues suggested I start a podcast, so here we are. I will be having conversations with staff from all over BCPS in various roles about their conscious discipline and SEL journeys and attempting to address some of the feedback our office has received. Now, I do want to say that I'm not a conscious discipline certified instructor. However, I believe wholeheartedly in this mindset shift. It has positively impacted my life, both professionally and personally. As we all continue our journeys together, I'm hopeful that connection conversations will be helpful and allow you to make connections while being reflective in your practices. Welcome everyone to our next conversation. Today with me, I have Tori Fuentes, who is a third grade teacher at Gunpowder Elementary. Welcome Tori. Hi. I am so glad that you took some time out today to have a conversation with me so that we can talk about your conscious discipline journey and a lot of the amazing things that you have been doing and that your school family at Gunpowder has been doing. So I really appreciate you taking out the time today. Not a problem. I'm happy to help you and be here. So today, before we get started and have our conversation, I'd like to start with a brain smart start. So let's start with the Unite. We're going to be talking for probably about a half an hour. So I'm going to take a drink of water. So if you have water or coffee, let's take a drink and just get ourselves ready for this. All right. So let's disengage stress. I know it's summertime, but there's still always some, some stress going on. So let's just take three deep nasal breaths at our own pace. So while we're not face-to-face -face right now, we're, you know, doing this virtually, we can still have a connection. So I would like us to kind of connect with ourselves and each other by thinking about what we're grateful for right now. And for me, I am grateful for the sunshine that I can open up my windows and see the sun and just feel the sun's warmth and have it keep me positive throughout the day. How about you? I am grateful for summertime. I'm grateful for a little bit of a break. Um, I know we've been home for quite some time now, but it's definitely different being in the feelings of summer versus in the feelings of virtual teaching at home. So I'm just grateful for summertime, a little bit of a break and some fun time with my kids. That's awesome. And finally, a commitment. So today, my commitment is to keep an eye on time and keep our conversation um, in the time slot that we've decided. So how about you? What's your commitment for our time together? Um, my commitment is to be helpful. I would like to be as helpful as I can, not only to you and this podcast, but everyone listening. And hopefully I can share some good insight on conscious discipline in the third grade classroom and what it looks like. Awesome. I think you can do it. Mm -hmm. 
So let's get started with you just telling us a little bit about your journey with conscious discipline, how you got started with the practice and how um, it's been going for you in the classroom. So when I first started with conscious discipline, it was, I was a kindergarten teacher at the time with Baltimore County. So it was the first year when Baltimore County introduced it to kindergarten teachers. Um, I think that was about three years ago. And when I first heard about conscious discipline, we did like a training over the summer and I'm like, what? You want my kids to do what? You want them to hug each other and love each other and this be okay? I was very skeptical. I had no idea how this was gonna work, how administration was gonna allow this to happen. But I was like, you know what? We're gonna go with it. We're gonna see what happens and play it from there. So I started off the school year. It was, again, it was kindergarten. And just going with the flow, I taught them about uh, Brain Smart Star and the connections and greetings. And it just, I watched how it transformed these kids. It like changed them from teaching kindergarten the year before to what I was seeing this year. Like not only did it teach them like how to care for and love each other. Like I felt like they weren't going after each other and being competitive. They were supporting each other. They were loving each other. They were, it was really good that first year. That really made me become a believer in it. Like once I saw it in action in my classroom. So then I started upping my game, adding more and more pieces and rituals and routines to it. Like I said, I started small because being honest in the beginning, I wasn't a believer. I wasn't sure how it was going to work, but I didn't let, you know, my skepticism hold that back. So I still, I started small, but then as I saw it working, I just kept going with it and adding more and more pieces. And um, that first year we did it in our school, I think we compared our like data from that year to the year before. And the year before by, it was like winter time, there were 70 office referrals a year before, just from kindergarten alone. Wow. And that first year we did it, there were zero office referrals. Wow. So, so you feel like you're, you have attributed that to the, the big change in conscious discipline in mindset of the adults or the students or both? I would say both. Okay. Um, because obviously with conscious discipline, like if a student is acting out, you know that it's, you know, not for attention. It's not for the, it's because something else deeper is happening inside. Yeah. So for the adults, it like allowed us to know, okay, what can I do to help this child? This child's not acting this way to be defiant or to do this. What can I do to help? But then it also kind of opened our eyes like to the, for the students because we taught them how to use their words, how to stand up for themselves but in a kind way, how to solve their problems with words instead of physical actions. So I think that also helped a lot too. So with, after like the first year doing conscious discipline in kindergarten and then the special area teachers started seeing it and how awesome like these students were acting not like towards each other, towards yeah. themselves, towards teachers, the special area teachers were like, we need to get this school wide. We need to do this if this is how kindergarten is acting with it, we need to see how this, you know, happens in the other grades. That's exciting. Yeah. So from there, we kind of, you know, started small, like the next year, obviously, you know, Baltimore County then introduced it to first grade, but we started doing like uh, staff, you know, professional development and teaching everyone about it. And they really got the staff on board and wanted to learn more about it. 
So at that point, our principal was not making it mandatory for everybody, but she's like, if you want to use it, here's some practices, here's some, you know, things that you can do. If you need materials, let me know type of thing. Okay. And it just went from there. After, so, so that was the second year. Okay. The third, the third year, which was just this past school year, um, my school decided to make it school-wide. Okay. So instead of it just being the grades that the county had offered curriculum for, because at this point it was only up to third grade curriculum, they decided to use it school-wide. And it was amazing. We also used like the virtuous language at our school. So we kind of intertwined them together. But it's been, it's been a, a positive change. I am so glad that you share that and that your school's transformation, not just your own personal transformation. And I think it's really important for teachers and staff members and administrators to start small like you all did and then add little pieces on. And um, what I've learned in my journey is the concept of like the ripple effect which I feel like is, is prevalent in, in your story that, you know, you started small with kindergarten and then special area was like, whoa, something's different. This is changing. Mm -hmm. This is, let's keep going. And then it rippled out and then administration got on board. And then we, you know, shared it with the rest of the staff. And now I've been in your school and I'm, I'm always blown away when I come in and, and check out all the awesomeness that is there, but you've really rippled all the way out to a school-wide implementation. Mm-hmm. And that mindset shift and the fact that you are doing things as a staff and in your faculty meetings as well, that it's not just curriculum you do with students or things that impact your students. It's impacting the lives of your staff members as well. Yeah, for sure. We always, you know, we start our staff meetings doing Brain Smart Start. We do, you know, connection activities together and it helps build us as a staff together too. And we also know that we're great resources for each other. Like I would have teachers pop in, at, you know, during their planning periods or during their lunch and say, hey, how do I do this? Can I see how your class does, you know, these different rituals or routines? And we just welcome them in and share, share and show them what to do. Yeah, and it's that staff family feel, not just a classroom family, and there's a school mm -hmm. family, but y'all have a staff family as well. Correct. Now, so you were in kindergarten for two years, and then was this past year your first year in third grade? Yeah, so it was, I was actually in kindergarten for three years. Okay. But the very first year, there was not conscious discipline. Got it. It wasn't yet in Baltimore County. Okay. So three years of kindergarten. And then this is my first year in um, third grade. So can you share with us some of the, the differences that you've seen between kindergarten and third? Like what were some, were there any um, structures or skills that you had to maybe modify a little or you felt like third graders kind of clung to a little bit more or were more successful with? So Again, like coming into third grade, I was thinking, I know how successful this is in kindergarten. I need, you know, I want to see what it can be in third grade. Yeah. First, I was thinking, so when I was teaching kindergarten, my safe place was a tent. Well, for cool. third grade, I'm like, 
oh, I don't really want like a closed off tent area where they could like go into, you know, thinking third grade, they're a little bit older. So I just use like an open space, but I hung like a canopy from the ceiling, like a mesh canopy from the ceiling oh, where they could still like go, you know, go in the safe place and get themselves together if they needed to. But it was still just a little bit more open for me as a teacher to feel comfortable with. Yeah, and you have to find things that work for you and your students as well. Yeah, and then another thing, like I was, I was worried that they weren't going to like the Brain Smart Start, or they were going to think it's too babyish, or they weren't mm. gonna enjoy it. I was like, no, I'm not even gonna put that in my head. I'm gonna just go ahead and get the year started, and I'm just gonna do it. And I guess because it was, they had seen it in their classes before. They came right in it, you know, with the greetings and. The thing that they really liked is they like to make up their own greetings. They like to make up their own breathings. So yeah. I just give them the freedom to do it. Like, all right, draw me a picture of your greeting or your breathing and we're gonna hang it on the wall so we can all see it. So just really giving them that freedom of what they wanna do, creating their own, things like that. Yeah. Um, and they really loved like taking on the jobs. Like you think it's like mm. the kids get older, like uh, jobs, I don't want a classroom job. They loved it. They loved the classroom jobs. And they would come up with ideas of, can we make this a classroom job? Can this be a job? Like making up their own ideas. So it's really just allowing them that creativity and allowing them to, you know, make up their own and be their own people. Yeah. Something else that I really like changed, well, not changed, but I modified was the I love you rituals. Okay, tell me more. A lot of the, a lot of the I love you rituals were you know, like Georgie Porgy, and they were a lot of like nursery rhymes. Yeah. So we changed the name, or I changed the name, I Love You Rituals, out the window, and they were called Brain Poems. Love it. So we, I put name, different names of them, on pop to pick them out, and I still taught them the, you know, the motions with the touch and the eye contact and all of that. And the thing is, I let them pick their partner. So they were comfortable with who they were doing it with. Mm. So it wasn't like, well, you have to be with this person. They got to pick. So they were comfortable who they were doing it with. But then they were still doing it. And the one time we listened to um, one of the Jack Hartman songs from Becky Bailey's CD, the kids were like, this is a baby song. So I said, stop. Give it a chance. Let's, let's just do what it tells us to do and see what happens. Well, halfway through the song, they're high-fiving each other. They're laughing. They're singing. They're dancing around. So when the song was over, I said, let's talk about that song. How did it make you feel? And they were like, we were laughing. We were happy. So I said, that's called joy juice. That just gave you joy juice. It makes you happy to see your friends having fun. You're giving high-fives. You're smiling at each other. You're looking at each other. Never again did I hear this song as a baby song. They said, can we do that song that gives us joy juice? Can we, you know, because I told them, like, sometimes when your brain needs a break, yeah. you just need something to make you smile and happy. And these songs with your friends do that. So then I was able to incorporate them throughout the day if we needed a brain break. Instead of just doing a go noodle or something like that, we would pick a brain poem and we would do it together. I really think it helped connect the class. Yeah, and I, I love the student choice in there too, because if we really want them to be 
to have the eye contact and have the appropriate physical touch and to have it in a playful situation, that presence I feel can be difficult if it's forced. And it felt like with the relationships that you had built within your class family, that the, the presence was able to be there when they had the choice of their partner. Exactly. And then there would be sometimes when there'd be a student who would ask to sit out, they didn't want to do it. And I'd be, say, it's your choice. If you don't want to do this right now, that's fine. If you want to join in, come join us. And the majority of the time, if they would sit out at the beginning of the song, by the end of the song, they were there with us. Yeah. They were, and I'm like, if I'll be your partner. If you want me to be your partner, not a big deal. If you need to pick a group of three, pick a group of three, we can make this work. Yeah. And like I said, even when they at first, you know, don't want to do this, want to sit down. They were up within minutes. Yeah. And, and offering those choices is huge in, in any age, but I feel like in third grade, some of it is a little bit of that, like power and control. Like they, they want to have, you know, like they're third graders now and, and to, to have the choice to say, you know what, we're going to do this. And you have the choice. You can sit out, you can be my partner, or you can join a group of three it's up to you and giving that choice without saying like, you're really missing out and mm -hmm. just leaving it at that. And then you saw it. They just organically were like, dude, I'm missing out. Look at all my friends having fun right now. Exactly. And they jump right in. Exactly. Yeah. And the other thing that I, I heard you talk about is your mindset and not allowing that um, I don't want to say block, but like that, um, concern of yours to mm -hmm. stop you from trying. And I think that you having that mindset of like, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going to go with it. E whether you explicitly taught it or not, your students figured that out as well. They were like, I don't know, lady, like this baby thing. I, and they pushed through and they persevered and then you had that conversation. And like you said, you know, you all are using the virtue language to have to, bl to blend that in and braid it as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you showed perseverance by going through, you showed grit or uh, yeah. you all were, were unity by being together. So yeah. And they showed willingness to do it. They, it was, yeah. And just having, that's another, um, something that comes up a lot of times when I'm talking to teachers who are really early in their journey is they, they are concerned. Like we have virtues language. We have a code of conduct. N now you want me to add conscious discipline? Like how can I do that? And you just gave a great example of when reprocessing through or working with students just to, to blend that language in. Are there mm -hmm. other um, ways that, you have blended or braided conscious discipline into things. Not, maybe not necessarily, you know, like other programs, it could be, or even just like into your academics or into like what I would call like the nooks and crannies of your day. So I would just really, you know, pay attention to the students. If I felt like maybe we were doing maybe a lesson that was challenging for them, or it was hard for them, it was something that just, they were off. We would yeah. stop what we were doing and we would come to the rug and we would have a class meeting where we would start off with disengaging stress, with our breathing, talking yeah. about how we feel and really just knowing that if something isn't going right within the curriculum or the lessons that are provided, we would just stop, regroup ourselves, you know, connect a little bit, talk about our feelings, talk about how things were going and then be able to get back into it. Thank you. 
So it's kind of like bringing them together to help change their mindset on the activity that they're doing from, this is so hard, I can't do it, to really being able to breathe, talking about their problems, and then getting back into whatever the activity was. Yeah, modeling and practicing that pause is, mm -hmm. is huge. And I, I appreciate you saying that, like, even in a lesson, like, it, it's going and you're like, oh, they're, they're struggling or, or this is off. And to take that pause and bring it back and that if they're practicing that through academics, then maybe, you know, at recess when something's getting difficult or they're trying to, you know, create a soccer game and they can't figure mm -hmm. out teams, then they can start to internalize that and, and use it for themselves. Do you feel like you, you see that, that transference in other areas as well? Oh, for sure. We, um, in the cafeteria at school, there was a time machine mat in the cafeteria that if they felt like they needed to use it, you know, there was someone in there to assist them with it if they needed to. And then even um, this past year, there were fifth graders, like the um, counselors that would go around and actually help like the younger students with the time machine if they needed help talking through the time machine and things like that. Um, we had a time machine on the playground for people to, for the students to help solve their problems for their conflict resolution. And you know, we try to have them talk it out together themselves. And if that doesn't work, then come get someone to help you with it and figure out how we can help you make this better. But it definitely was. And there would be times when students would come up to us on the playground and say, well, we had a problem, but we already fixed it. But we, I just want to let you know, you know, those kind of things. And that's like, yay, I'm so happy you fixed your problem, you know. Yeah. And the, like, the, it's, it's twofold. Like one, you did it on your own and two, you're so proud of yourself that you want to celebrate that with me. Yeah, exactly. It, it, and it's like those little celebrations throughout the day. Like it really, really, I think made a difference. It could be like the littlest thing, but if obviously if a student wanted to share it with me that they completed it, that's a celebration for them. So I would make sure it was known to everyone. It was a celebration. We had a little celebration board in the classroom and there was post-it notes there and the yeah. third graders you know they could write them out themselves yeah so they were able to write their celebration on their post-it note they put it on their board and at the end of the day during our closing circle we would talk about the celebration and even if they didn't write them up they had time you know to then share if there are celebrations or just something they wanted to share maybe about grandma or grandpa at home or whatever they were thinking about I, I love that concept. And that's, you know, in looking at the, the SEL three signature practices, that's an optimistic closure right there, but mm -hmm. it's, it's a, a reflection and a celebration at the end, but it's something that it's for me, if I were a third grader in your classroom, I wouldn't feel put on the spot. Like I've just had, you know, six and a half, seven hours of, of school and she wants me to celebrate something. I can't remember. In that moment, I can go grab a post-it note, write it, jot it down, put it on there. Mm -hmm. And then we reflect upon it at the end. Yeah. And that's giving them the independence as well to, you know, recognize the celebration moments, you know, because sometimes um, we're so busy doing so many things. I know as an adult, I have trouble, you know, recognizing the positive in the moment. But if, if you're starting to use that with your class family, I mean, imagine when they get older and how that's going to help and support them as well. Yeah. And I know I had um, a couple friends in my class this past year who they had a very hard time finding the good within themselves or, you know, they had just a very negative attitude that what I'm doing isn't right. I'm not doing this right. Then luckily I also had some students who were very good in finding the positive in, ever, in anything. So they would be like, no, look at this picture you made. It's amazing. 
So just that talk they gave to each other and like building each other up, yeah. I really like contribute that to being, I taught them that they're a family. They are not just classmates. You are a class family. This is not my classroom. This is our classroom. This is our classroom together. Just like you're going to keep your, your house clean, you're going to keep the classroom clean. You're going to clean up after yourselves. You're going to do this together like you would if you were at home with your family. And that, I really think that that, after they understood that they were in this together and they were like a family, I just, I noticed changes, tremendous changes. Even like in the lunchroom, they, someone at the end of, you know, the end of lunch, they always run up to the teacher to tell something, you know, something happened at lunch. <laughs> yep. And, you know, someone would call to me and say, well, so-and-so from another class is being mean to this person, but I helped them. Like, I wasn't a bystander. I stood up for them. And like, just showing how they stand up for each other and they care for each other. And it's like, kind of like you would your little brother, or your little sister. You don't want anyone to pick on your brother or your sister. So I'm not going to let that, you know, them do it to my classmates either. Yeah. And that was just really, really awesome to see. And when we switched to virtual learning this year, you could still see that connection like when we were in our class meetings they would look you know on the google meet they would see each yeah. other they'd be so excited to see each other and we would still start each meeting with our brain smart start and you know do like updates and they would talk about what they've been doing at home and how they've been feeling and most of the kids they would say i miss my classroom family not oh. i miss this person i miss that person it was the entire i miss my classroom family so I know one thing that they really loved throughout the year was um, their safekeeper sticks. I, you know, I let them create their sticks like however they wanted. Yeah. With, you know, and also the well-wisher board. So mm. the very first chance that we were able to go into the classroom and get whatever materials we needed, I got my well-wisher board and I brought it in. And that very first time I had that well-wisher board, the actual board from the classroom in my meeting, they were ecstatic. They were so excited to see just a little bit of routine that they're used to. Yeah. And I sent them their safekeeper sticks. When they got those safekeeper sticks in the mail, they all had them in the meetings, holding them up, so oh. excited. And I'm like, something to us might seem so little and yeah. the popsicle stick with their name on it <laughs> meant so much to them. And just for them to have, it was like, oh my gosh, like this was worth those stamps I bought, like you know, yeah. just to see their faces and how excited they were for like some normalcy. And, and since then, they brought their safekeeper sticks in the Google Meet every day and they would hold them up and they put them down. And I didn't request them to, to do that. They just did it. So it was like awesome. That is so awesome. That's, that's so amazing. And it's that you are, you know, in a time of complete uncertainty and mm -hmm. this, your students are able to have that sense of security and that safety because not only are you doing things in a predictable manner that they're used to from the classroom, but then they're, they've internalized that safekeeper concept and they're like, this is my, this is my job. Like you yeah. are my teacher. You're going to keep us as safe as you can in this virtual environment. But now I have that and, and I'm, I'm. I'm curious to, and, and maybe you have heard some of this from your students, how that has uh, transferred into their house or their home with their own family. Like, do you think that they 
explain the safekeeper stick to their to their families when it came in the mail or anything? I'm sure they did. I know there was a couple students, but there was a you know, a couple incidents where the safekeeper sticks got broken in the mail and they were, oh. you know, but the ones that, you know, my mom helped me put it back together. And oh. they, so I was like, oh, you told mom what it was. And they, yeah, you know, this is what we do. This is, we commit to keep our classroom safe and our school family safe. And this is what we use, like to kind of represent that. And I told, you know, in the beginning of the year, I told them like, you're keeping your classroom family safe here and I'm keeping you safe. But when you're at home, your parents can keep you safe. So I kind of, I try to, you know, teach them that. And I, I haven't heard any more specific stories, but I can only hope that it did, you know, transfer to home also. Yeah. And I am, it kind of sparked an idea in my mind and maybe you've already thought of this, but I wonder if, let's say for some reason, I mean, I don't know what's happening next school year, but if we start virtually again, maybe with your new class that you can send sticks or a, a mm-hmm. piece of paper, like a bookmark or something and let them have their own safekeeper piece, let's say, and they can decorate it at home and then bring it to that like first week of meets and Hey, this is yours now. And then they can bring that whenever we do go back into the classroom and really to help make that transition. Yeah. I think that'd be amazing. Oh, I love it. Yeah, because really that, I definitely think that would help the transition a lot to be able to, you know, bring it back and forth or whatever the case may be. Yeah, or even like, you know, make two, you know, one for school, one for home, and then they can like teach, maybe that could be like part of their, you know, quote unquote homework. They could teach their family about safekeeper. What is safekeeper? How are you a safekeeper at home? How are you in our Google mm-hmm. meet? How are you at school? Yeah, that's oh, awesome. I love it. And just making those deeper connections. So I want to keep to my commitment in, in keeping to our time. And I want um, to, to start to wrap up. You have shared so many fantastic ideas and data points and stories and and things that you are doing that others could um, really learn from and you've been so helpful. What would you say would be like one thing, it doesn't have to be the top thing, but one thing that you would um, suggest to a teacher who is just starting out on their conscious discipline journey? I would say that making the connections with the students is the most important. And I really find out that the best way to make those connections is through those personal greetings every morning, greeting the child individually yourself. I know some teachers like to pass off, not, I don't wanna say pass off, but give the job to a student as the greeter. And for me, that was important that that was my job. As a teacher, it was my job to greet that student at the door every day to know that I am there for them. And then that also helps give you that kind of mood check. What kind of mood is that child in today? Yeah. Or maybe they're having it. And that gives you that initial, you can see them initially, they're having a, a down day today. What can I do to help make them better? What can I do to make them, you know, in the moment and present? So that was, that's the biggest thing, making those connections. Because once you make those connections and really teaching them that we are in this together, and this is the classroom family, I feel like those students will do anything for you. 
they will do anything. They will, they listen to you. They want to be there for you. They want to help you. They want, they want to do that. That's the biggest thing that I've seen. You have been so helpful. And in thinking back to, to my commitment, I did a pretty good job at keeping my eye on, on the clock. And <laughs> I have my own opinion about your commitment, but what do you think? Do you think you kept your commitment today? I think so. I, I hope I've been helpful and I mean, can get my information out there. If anyone else has any questions or needs to know something else, I'm here and I'm willing to answer emails or whatever. That is so kind of you. And you've been helpful to me. You've sparked some, some ideas for, for myself and things that I might do at, at home and, and things that I can help. Um, when I'm coaching teachers next school year. So thank you so much. You're welcome. I wish you well. I hope that you have a fantastic summer and continue that attempted relaxed vibe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give it a try, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And I am sure that we will be continue to be in contact. And I just, I really appreciate you taking the time today and, and being so helpful as you always are. Not a problem. I'm glad I was able to help out. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye.